Welcome back to the Midlife Crisis Task Force Podcast. I'm Nate. I'm Hap. I'm Chris. And we're, well, we're starting what I guess is going to be a yearly tradition now. We're going to we're going to watch and riff a bad Christmas movie. We all sat down to describe something we had no criteria other than Hap saying he didn't want anything involving shoes. <laughs> I think that's a valid point, though. Yes, no, it, it is. is. Yes, last it year is. we watched a Hallmark film called The Christmas Shoes, and it was awful. We found some that were promising. We found one starring Dolly Parton and, and, and Lee Majors, but it had really good ratings, so we thought it probably wasn't bad enough for our, our purposes here. <laughs> so after some debating, we finally settled on a horror film, Silent Night, Bloody Night from 1972. This is not Silent Night, Deadly Night, the famous, famously banned horror film from the 80s. This is Silent Night, Bloody Night. Directed by Theodore Gushuni, who I've never heard of. Easy for you to say. Starring Patrick O'Neill, who I'm not mm-hmm. sure I've ever heard of. It does have John Carradine, which is always promising. And it's got two people who were part of Andy Warhol's factory back in the 60s. So, I don't know. Should be interesting. Uh, it, interesting is definitely going to be the word. Yeah, yeah. Shall we shall we tease our audience with the same synopsis that made us pick this film? <sighs> yeah, I'll wow. read it out yeah. to you. Everybody is, kick back. It's going to take a second. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is from the storyline on the IMDb page for this movie. Okay, Wilford Butler returns home on Christmas Eve and his house has been turned into a mental institution for the criminally insane. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, I do I hate it when that happens too. But the day of his return, he is set on fire and dies. Sorry. The townspeople, <laughs> the townspeople believe his death was an accident, and the institution house is later closed down. Wilfred leaves the house to his grandson Jeffrey. A few years later, Jeffrey finally decides to sell his grandfather's house, but the townspeople, including the mayor, have mixed feelings on keeping people away from the house, especially when a serial killer escapes from another institution and finds refuge there. I hate it when that happens, too. Jesus Christ. The killer makes Property values will just go to hell. (laughs) The killer makes frightening phone calls and kills anyone coming near the house. But what does the killer have in common with, with what happened to Wilford Butler years before? That's that's a lot. That, I, that I, is a lot. I know what it is. It's probably the killer's probably Wilford Butler. You think? <laughs> it could be. Don't want to give any spoilers away, but I think it could be. It, it, it could I, very I, well be. Nathan deserves a round of applause for not screwing up and saying Wilford Brimley that entire yeah. time. <laughs> it was an effort. It was an effort. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. point. Diabetes. <laughs> so we're going to go watch this turkey, and then we'll be back and discuss it. So stay tuned. See you later. Bye. And we are back. That was interesting. Uh, yes. There's bits of a good movie. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um. It was filmed oh, well. Yes, cinematography was good. Yeah, um, excellent prints on this uh, YouTube, which I was there was a vinegar syndrome credit at the end, so we have to thank them for the restoration. Can't remember, I, I didn't note who had posted it onto YouTube, but uh, thank you for doing that. But it was really slow. 
and it didn't really make a lot of sense. It it, it did for a little while, and then it just kind of went off the deep end. Yes, yeah, it it really feels like somebody threw their hands up in the air and said, "Pat it to pat it for run length, get it in the can, get it gone." Well, right. that probably happened because this is a canon film. If you are familiar with canon films from the who churned out a lot of crap in the 1980s. This was, I think, Chris, you said this was their first film that they ever released? Yes, according to the trivia. And one of the associate producers was named Lloyd Kaufman, who is the guy behind Trauma Studios. So there's some rather infamous leaning going into the making of this film. That's very true. It's, um, it was, I mean, there was generally parts of it I didn't mind. Yeah. It's, it was the story was so disjointed though oh yeah that um synopsis i read was just the tip of the iceberg yes it was was just it was really complex really convoluted it was it was really hard to follow in places and it was i mean and some of it wasn't the description wasn't accurate the guy didn't come home to find that this was an insane asylum you no, know what I mean, it was no. an empty house. It was at one point, but you don't learn that. Technically, don't learn that until the, near the end of the film. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't learn that until you watch the film within the film, which <laughs> beat Alan Moore to that little concept by quite yeah. a few years. But uh, <laughs> oh my now, god, that was some of the stuff I like though. Because I like the cinematography there. Yes. The one where the dad visited his daughter in that room. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a wonderful shot. I thought yeah, it, was, it was. Yeah, it was filmed very you know, well. And the sepia tone they added to it, the graininess really kind of enhanced the effect mm-hmm. of the scene. It just took so long to get there. And well, so long. all right. You guys compliment the cinematography, but lighting. The thing we all complained about. Well, there was an amazing lack of lighting in parts of this film, yes. Yes, especially the driving scenes. Yes. Yeah, I didn't think flashlights for car headlights was road legal, but apparently it is. With flashlights as car headlights that had about three-quarter drain batteries in them, that's that's how dim everything was in a lot of the outdoor scenes. When you're filming a scene where... An oil lamp in the distance is brighter than a car's headlights on the road. You got yes. a problem. Yes, you yes. do. But as I said, lights are expensive. So yeah. Now there's 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 two or three stories going on within this movie, but they don't converge in a way that makes sense at all. Oh, Not they, really. they converge. They converge like a car wreck. But yeah. well. That's and all of the last three minutes of the movie, too. Yeah. Well, have y'all ever seen or seen the movie or read the book Ghost Story? No. Well, it, oh, the, the one with uh, Astaire? Yes. I saw it a long time ago. Right. Oh, my God. Well, part of this, part of this, this is the vibes I was getting from it. When everybody was being drawn towards the house and being killed, I was thinking it was because something they did in their past. Hmm. You know, yeah, they, yeah, they that would have made sense, right? It would have made sense, but they had nothing really to do with it. Just some vague regular, you know, recollections from the killer. I remember you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there really just, was no need. I mean, family, family-wise, I could see the bit with 
the the chick from eating Raul and and the uh, the the bastard well yeah the bastard right. son bastard mm-hmm. incest son stuff like that I could see but dragging in all those other people didn't make any sense at all because no. it's not like they wronged him in any way. Well, see, that's what I was other thinking. than the fact that there was like a throwaway line at the beginning of the film that like nobody in town liked him. Boo fucking who? Right. <laughs> well, that was the thing when I was when they did the flashback scene when the lunatic people showed up. I was thinking we would start seeing these people. You know what I mean? They would yeah. be they would be there in some form and somehow survived or whatever, or at least have something to do with this, but it, they don't at all. And that is crazy. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I don't know what to yeah. say. About it. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, like we say this for every movie, but it could have been a good movie. They just, they had too many ideas and they just didn't know what the fucking do with them. Yeah. They needed to simplify that plot quite a bit because it was and it didn't leave you guessing at all as to who the killer was be we predicted who it was before we even hit play on the youtube video right and we were wondering for a little while if maybe it was going to be somebody else but it wasn't it was it was the guy we predicted it would be and which doesn't make an easy prediction it was yeah and the the guy was be like 85 years old he's swinging axes and setting cars on fire and dragging bodies around and Yep. Yeah, and he's using axes on cars. I mean, something yeah, a young, he's, fit, healthy, strong man would need to do. Yeah, exactly. I'm 52 years old, and I don't think I could dent. I don't. I could send an axe blade through the fender of a car, especially oh. one that old that was made out of real metal. Yeah, not a 1930s car that was made out of metal. I know what could have made this movie better, guys. Oh. Everybody has a different toned bell, like John. (laughs) They just ding each other all throughout the movie. Okay, all right. So, what he's alluding to, (laughs) gentle audience, is the fact that they got John Carradine for this film, the biggest name of the cast. Yeah, an actor far and away. And his only interaction was that was through a bell, and we had no idea what the hell was going on. When he, because like he just does it out of nowhere thing. with no yeah. lead up, he just does it out of nowhere. Like he, it's almost dismissive. Like yeah. ding, go away. Yeah. And it turns out that he's mute and he's using the bell to try to call attention to something, but it's done with almost comedic effect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So to make it through this movie, we started introducing our own bell sounds at various moments. <laughs> but yes, that would have made this film so much better is that if everybody had like a different tone bell or if some people <laughs> had like, you know, little horns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything was subtitled. That would have been great. It's like that Monty Python sketch, uh, the semaphore version of Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh, even better, even better have everybody, but Carradine have a bell, and he has to do it all in semaphore. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we ran out of bells, David. Sorry. <laughs> of course, you don't oh. find this out about why he's using this bell until halfway through the film. And finally, someone explains. It's, so it's he even can't speak. more than halfway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is over halfway. And we were convinced they didn't want to pay his rate to have dialogue. And I'm still 
hanging on to that. I I firmly believe that. Because why would you just have a random character be mute for no and for no reason? Like I mean, they didn't even tie it into later in the story. There's no, they didn't tie it into anything. Speech or something like that. You know, it was just it was just this weird thing that happened. Yeah. My theory is that it's a contract dispute, and he was like, "Fuck it, I'll do the film, but I'm not going to say a word." <laughs> it could be. Could the, be. Um, I mean, he apparently didn't... that supposedly yeah. something like that happened with that Five Nights at Freddy's trash. Uh, no, it was uh, a Willy's Wonderland. The, You're talking about with, with Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah, where he didn't say a word. Just like you know, I'll do the film. You know, give me the check, but. I'm not gonna read this dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna talk. Yeah, oh, my voice is bigger than this film. As it's sad as you pointed out, Coleman Francis shelled out the money for him to sing the theme song to Red Zone Cuba, but you know they won't even pay him to say three lines, <laughs> to say yes and no in this film. Yeah, it's very is a it's a very typical seventies horror film, I yeah. would say in some ways and had next and it, to nothing to do with Christmas either. No, no, it this, this to be built with a title yeah. like that. You expect this is going to be a Christmas themed horror film. There's, it takes place around Christmas, but that's it. You see a, a lady wrapping a, a birdcage. Yeah. That's the only scene. And I called it. Yep. I, I was, yep. I was rich Evans in this film. Uh, you did call that. Yep. I, I called it. I said, like, what if this is the only scene having anything to do with Christmas? And God damn it, if the film didn't deliver on that. It was. <laughs> it was nuts. I yeah. Mean, I, if it was, if it, it just, I like bits of it. That's all I can say. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So what would you do to improve it besides give dialogue, besides pay John Carradine to actually say something? Oh, simplify it. Um, definitely, re- definitely. Rewrite, rewrite the script. Make it so that there's a reason the townsfolk get killed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he's just a psychopath randomly killing people, point that out. No, yeah. or something. As, it, as the old adage goes, "Show don't tell." This yeah. movie told at the very end of the film. It told, and not very well. Yeah. It had two major <laughs> expedition dumps, one at the beginning and an even longer one at the end, mm-hmm. where you kind of felt trapped because it starts, It's the whole thing is a flashback at the end, then it comes out of the flashback, then it goes back into the flashback. All right. You know, Godfather 2 style. You know, I tried to get out, but it kept pulling me back in. I'll tell uh, you one thing, though. I mean, when you normally see, like, an overdub and there's exposition, like, you know, the woman character, the woman, I don't even remember her character's name, but when they do that, that's usually because they fucked up something or they just didn't have the money and they had to go back and rewrite it. I think this was part of the film, the way they actually used her voiceover. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some of those, I've, we've seen too many movies where they've um, taken that out taking you know use voiceovers because they fucked up the fucked up the audio on the film or they um they didn't want to pay actors to talk or they well, used didn't, it you, as, didn't you read the trivia that one of the actors died shortly after the film was completed and they had to dub his audio his dialogue over yes the uh main guy had died a few months 
um, after the movie was completed and they, mm. they dubbed over his lines. So, but I don't know. It was just, it's an odd movie and I'm glad we don't have to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. That, that goes without saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anything else we want to add? Nothing really. I mean, there's not much to say. If you're interested in obscure seventies horror, check it out. Yeah. Actually, there was there was one good kill, like at the end of the first reel. Yeah, yeah. The first kill you see was actually really good and un- kind of unexpected. True. And uh, it, it, the rest of the film feels like a script rewrite from a different horror film. <laughs> yeah. It the movie was actually I was it was it wasn't great, but I was following along and enjoying it, and then it went off the rails right after that. It just right. You know, if you get somebody to redo the last two thirds of the film, you might have had something there. And the thing is, there are a lot of unnecessary characters. The two, the oh, way the too many unnecessary characters. Yeah, the couple at the beginning. There was a backstory with this guy. He's cheating on his wife with this lady, younger lady. Yeah, right. But it has nothing to do with the story. No, he, he could have just been there checking out the house by himself. Yeah. They were trying to do a psycho homage there. I think you misdirect, you follow the certain people to a certain point, then they're they're out of the film. Maybe you know that's the only thing I can think. But you know Hitchcock did it better, which should go without saying. Yes, yes, yes. Some peaks, but mostly valleys in this one. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll have a commentary track out soon. Um, It's probably worth. It's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible if you want to watch us. Listen to us watching it would be worth checking out. We'd appreciate it if you did. Oh, definitely for sure. Check it out. It's gonna. It's better than we tried hard. Movies. We really tried hard. We yeah. didn't have much to work with, <laughs> and we tried hard. Yeah, we could have very easily done a Hallmark movie, but yeah, yeah. I think we, we were probably... close to doing a Hallmark movie. We we passed up Dolly Parton and Lee Majors. That was the Hallmark movie, or the Maybe closest thing to it. That. Yeah. And we also passed up Shelly Winters in a horror film for this. <laughs> now I'm wondering if I shouldn't like preview that one to see if it's any good. <laughs> oh I, boy. Her in a horror movie would have to be interesting. Especially yeah. That was, that was from the seventies too, right? Yeah. Who slew Auntie Rue from 1972? Oh God. That same year this one came out. This came out in 72. Wow. wow. All right. All right, well, check us out on our website, mlctaskforce.com. We're on Twitter at MLC underscore Task Force. We're on the geekdom.social mastodon instance at MLC Task Force. So we have a Facebook group. Please drop us a line. Give us a feedback. We'd appreciate it. We say this every time, and nobody ever does. So uh, we're going <laughs> to keep doing it until somebody no, does. God uh, damn it. Yeah, please. Yeah. And if you, if you check out this movie, take note of all the wonderful 70s macrame. Yes. Yes, definitely. And uh, this is that time of year. We'll wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. And um, we'll be back soon. All right. Take care. Doodles. <laughs>